Compared to other scenes in the Gospels, today's passage from Mark presents a picture of Jesus that is perhaps a a bit spicier than what might usually come to mind. At the center of it all is a dispute that has been cracked open over the observance or lack thereof of certain ritual practices. On one side of the argument are the Pharisees, along with some religion scholars, who have recently made their way to this point of meeting from Jerusalem. Noticing a lack of ritual handwashing by some of Jesus' disciples, particularly ahead of meals, the Pharisees are disturbed by this trend, and with good reason. For one thing, whether we're talking about Judaism or later chapters of Christianity, all religions have rituals where purification plays a major part. In fact, if you've come to St. James for a morning service, you've likely noticed a moment where we wash the priest's hands before they celebrate the Eucharist. It's an optional act that calls to mind the holiness of God, as well as the need for a sense of reverence before approaching the divine. Yet as things progress in this scene from Mark's gospel, I think it can soon be seen that there is more to the Pharisees' feeling of disturbance than a sense of frustration over bucking protocols. There's a fear that these trends, that these departures from tradition will soon go too far. Hearing their outrage, Jesus responds to the Pharisees and he responds pointedly. Jesus argues that it is not ritual actions that make us pure, that make us worthy to stand before God. Instead, purity, which we might choose to define as freedom, profound freedom from all the vices and ill-fated desires that keep us from our true lives, that freedom, that state of being, comes from a place that is deeper than the observances the Pharisees are concerned about. It comes from the condition of your heart and invites reflection on the very core of who you are. Now, in light of that, in light of that, it is tempting to water down this way of Jesus so that it becomes some sort of moral code that's all rules and no soul. It's tempting to want a roadmap that clearly points out the right places to turn and avoids any missteps. We all want to be good people, after all. But the problem with that mindset is that it keeps us scratching at the surface when there is so much more that the gospel has on offer. The point of it all isn't isn't to just simply be moral or good, but to instead seek real, authentic encounters with the living God, both in our neighbors and in ourselves. And if that's the case, if that's the core of it, then following Jesus is much more about how we see others and how we are seen in return. It's about our own ability to recognize that every person is an icon of Christ and a tabernacle for the Most High. Here's another way of thinking about it. As some of you may know, I spent a season of my life living alongside the brothers of the Society of St. John the Evangelist, 
which is a monastic community of the Episcopal Church in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Well, there's a lot that can be said about that experience. I'm often reminded of an Augustinian prayer the brothers use as an invitation to the table during their services of Holy Eucharist. Right before the bread and wine are shared, the priest elevates both and says, behold what you are, and the people respond, may we become what we receive. The invitation presented to us by Mark's gospel is the same invitation Jesus offers at the table every time we gather around it. It is a summons of return, a call to peel back every layer that creates a costume that confuses others as to who we really are. It is a journey to the heart, to the deepest center of our being, the very dwelling place of the divine image that bears its imprint on all of us. In the face of sin and despair, in the face of every evil seeking to cloud that likeness of God, seeking to stand between us and our true lives, Christ's invitation is a constant. Behold what you are. Behold what you are. May we become what we receive. Amen.